tis the season <laughs> tis the season I love that it's like tis the season for mental illness right <laughs> season for family trauma tis the season to be triggered as fuck yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Welcome to Spiritually Divergent, where we explore our shadows to navigate the present and plant new seeds for the future. My name is Ariana, and I'm here with Courtney. Hello, hello. What up, what up? And today's episode, we will be talking about seasonal depression and the difference between intentional intuitive rest and a freeze and trauma response depressive rest. So we just wanted to go into that, especially as the weather is changing <clears throat> and my voice is changing, um, but especially as the weather is changing and it's starting to get cold here in Colorado, we just wanted to touch on that. Got anything to add? We talked about this briefly before, the difference between, like your body can feel different types of tired and we both have just been experiencing that in different ways recently. And it occurred to us that that's probably a collective thing in this time of year as well. So we thought it would be a good topic to speak to. Yes, absolutely. Well, let's get into a card pool. Okay. Spirit, what message do you want us to keep in mind as we talk about depression in the freeze response? I turned off my background and I realized it gave me a bob. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It looks cute. Should I cut my hair? <laughs> hmm. Ooh. So we got the chariot, but it was in reverse. Okay. 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 I, I've heard one of my clients refer to this as the fuckboy card. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. Which I, I never quite... baggage, But like, I mean, I guess a fuckboy would be carrying some baggage. <laughs> right. Accurate. Accurate. So let me look up the description here. Because I have my own ideas, but let's make sure. And it is in reverse, so. So upright, the chariot is control, willpower, success, action, and determination. But we got it in reverse, so that's going to be self-discipline, opposition, and lack of direction. I mean, that fits for freezing and, like, <laughs> state that fits. And and what's required to move out of a freeze yeah. state or a state of depression, yeah. Yeah, which definitely is a different kind of discipline, for sure. Yes. Well, thank you, Spirit, for that. Now let's get an affirmation to go with it. You're going to love this. When I think I've surrendered, I surrender more. <sighs> If you guys don't know, surrender is really hard for me, <laughs> but it's been like the key word for the last two years for me of like trying to practice surrendering even more and letting go even more to let things flow. Um, and it's so damn hard. <laughs> yeah. It's so damn hard. So how would surrender, I'm just thinking out loud here, how does surrender fit into depression and freeze response i think of it as instead of listening to your self-critic that's like you're not doing shit you're lazy you literally are set like sabotaging yourself like just saying a bunch of mean things to yourself which only keeps you in that free state and kind of keeps you in that depressive state Mm -hmm. it's surrendering to the idea that it's okay to not be okay Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that that goes back to the idea of compassion for ourselves and for our inner self-critic. Like I told, I was just doing a meditation earlier about this. So I'm, I'm really feeling this topic. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so I feel like it's surrendering to the fact that you're not okay, but also surrendering to that voice of yourself so that you can have compassion for yourself and understand where it's coming from. Yeah. 
I'm just being reminded too of kind of that that internal intuitive voice that we all have that wants to give us feedback but can end up being warped by parental figures authoritative figures you know our our internal voices tend to be a reflection of how we were spoken to in our developmental years so trying to release the critical aspects and whatever trauma and beliefs are associated yeah. to unlock your more intuitive kind of loving voice yeah absolutely but I think it's also understanding there are two different voices that there is the grounded you the wisdom version of you and there's the critical version that has been worked and that ha- plays that heavy piece on your ego because that's the version that sometimes that voice is louder than your wisdom version yeah. which is your grounded and aligned person and so one that takes time like you can't just be like okay I'm gonna do this right away because you have to unlearn first before you can start to relearn to trust this other voice that you've been neglecting for so long like you have to go through that phase of surrendering to that wisdom voice to that groundedness and realizing that that voice has your best interests because a lot of times at least especially for me when I'm coming out of when I was really coming out of my flight state in my fight state I the thought I was so I was so used to chaos that that felt safe. And so I had to relearn trust that calmness also was safe. And I had to learn that for myself and learn that the discomfort I felt in stillness, the discomfort I felt in being at ease was actually what was needed. It's just, I had lived in a chaotic state for so long, a chaotic mental state for so long that I didn't know how to adjust. And so I still saw that as a fear and I still saw that as like, I need to protect myself from the calmness because I don't label that as safe. So I think that you have to be able to allow yourself to realize like, hey, I, this is what I consider safe right now, but is that actually what is benefiting me? Is that actually, because that's where the self-talk comes from anyways. It comes from a place that is trying to protect you and it knows all the shit that you've been through so it's like how can I protect you from yourself but also from others and sometimes when you're growing and learning you realize that that it's kind of like overbearing itself it's it's its voice has gotten too loud and it's realized that it's not an advisor when it should be and you need to take everything your self-critic says with a grain of salt instead of so literally and so like hard and offensive in a way Right. It's that good old ego voice versus spirit voice conversation that we had a while back when we talked about intuition. And it's the idea that your ego does have a place and that inner critic does have a place. It can serve you in some ways, but it really needs to be balanced and employed when you want it to come through, not controlling your life. And I love that you say you brought up this idea of safety and how we can be attached to chaos and other things as a type of safety and it reminds me of something they said in our full moon ceremony last night about being in a cage and how you can get so used to what is safe when really you're trapped inside the cage of kind of operating on your life experiences and the critical thoughts that have worked for you up until now, the critical thoughts that have kept you moving and quote unquote functioning in society. But really there's so much more for us in store outside of the cage. If we could surrender. Yeah. Yeah. Surrender, allow that freedom to really tap in. And I think about the self-discipline aspect too, because I think that, when you're in a state of freeze and you're feeling kind of stuck, um, your discipline or your routine is what keeps you kind of propelling in a way. Even if you don't feel like you are emotionally, mentally, like you still feel stuck, but some sort of regularity, at least for me, keeps me like, that's my reminder that I'm still doing something. Even if I'm not hitting these amazing goals or having these amazing creative insights coming in, I'm still doing something for myself and I'm still staying dedicated to my path in a way. Um, 
an affirmation I've been saying to myself lately, moving through some of the seasonal depression is I allow myself to practice the spiritual hygiene and the physical hygiene practices that I know align with my higher good. So even if I really don't feel like getting up and brushing my teeth or brushing my hair, I'm going to kind of move as slow as I need to through those practices just to create a routine for myself. Or I'm going to clean up my nightstand and clean up my bathroom because I know that I need to have a clean environment to reach those bigger goals. Or I'm going to do my weekly tarot poll and journaling habit, even if I really don't feel like it, because I know that that's the hygiene that I need to, to just keep chugging through, you know? Yeah. Well, I just want to, since we're talking about seasonal depression, I don't know if you want to speak on the difference between seasonal and clinical depression. Um, you probably have those definitions more educational than I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't be, don't put me on a pedestal here because the DSM information that I learned in school is like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been a minute. But the themes that I noticed with people, it really, it's, I think it's, a matter of time is how long is it lasting and how deeply is it affecting you? If it's something that's kind of ebbing and flowing through a matter of a month, that is likely seasonal. If it's something that's directly related to a trigger of maybe being around your family or the holidays themselves being the trigger of just being reminded of maybe things that you don't have, connections that you don't have, and things that you're not doing with your life that you wish you were doing that can be a trigger in itself so I think it becomes a matter of is there a distinct trigger and is it only lasting a month or so or is it a lethargy and a exhaustion that you're feeling for more than a month or two plus is there a recognizable trigger or is it just kind of a constant state that you're feeling yeah I was going to ask, is there a certain amount of time that passes when you're like, okay, this is moving out of seasonal and it's becoming something that I need to be more mindful of? Like, is there a specific timeline that people should be mindful of or does it really vary depending on the person? I'm sure it does vary depending on the person. And I would say probably like 30 to 60 days. So a month or two. Okay. 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 So I just want to reflect on like seasonal depression. I feel like it's always a big topic as it gets colder, as we get into winter. And I don't know, for me, I think of it as it's a time for us to hibernate. Like I consider myself a bear a lot of the time. (laughs) Like that's the way I think of myself is as a bear. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just have some shadow work. I guess I need to do. There's always shadow work to be done. And because you go deeper and deeper each time. And so I just think of it as like, okay, the weather is slowing down. I am also a plant on this planet. And just like the plants outside, you know, they, they go a little dormant for a little bit of time to go inward so that when spring comes, they can come out even brighter and stronger and ready to conquer. And so I also just think of it as like a big introspective time of the year. Um, at least for me and yeah I don't know where I was going with that (laughs) I agree and I it makes me want to bring it back to surrender because it's surrendering to the idea that it's okay to hibernate it's okay to experience exhaustion and maybe some just deep thoughts and that's the thing is I think depression can get a bad rap because it's okay to sit in isolation and sit with yourself and be reflecting if we're doing it intentionally. If yeah. we're if we're kind of going through these cycles of maybe numbing ourselves with with drinking or with overeating or watching TV for hours on end. It's like that is a different that's depression cycling over itself. But natural depression where you're sitting in your thoughts and kind yeah. of balancing the inner critic and the wisdom, yeah, that can actually be really helpful. And that's a type of hibernation that we need in order to bloom again. Yeah. I just want to talk about the difference between depression and introspection because 
I think that a lot of times, like, especially through my spiritual journey of reconnecting with myself and reconnecting with my body and rebuilding trust, it required me to sleep a lot. It required me to rest a lot because that's what my body needed. And I think externally to others, it might've seemed like I was depressed because I was just really tired and I was moving really slow, but really I was trying to re-regulate my nervous system and I was mindful of that. And sometimes I would cry and I'd be like, am I depressed? Like what's going on? And I would have to remind myself that like, I'm trying to do some serious internal work right now. And I'm going to have great days and I'm going to have not so great days. And that's okay because it's a part of the process. I can't just like instantly be better. Um, But I think the difference is that I know I'm resting because like, that's a question I have to ask myself. Like, am I resting because I'm physically tired, spiritually tired? Like, is there a big energetic shift I feel coming or am I resting because I'm avoiding something? Is there something that needs to be done when I'm silent and when I'm sitting in silence, what are the voices that are coming up? What are, what kind of words, what kind of feelings and sensations are coming up? Are they things that I'm trying to suppress and keep hidden? Or are they things that it's just, okay, I want to be mindful and aware of this because that's the introspection piece of like, I'm aware of this feeling. It's coming up for a reason because there's a lesson. There's something I need to let go of. There's something I need to heal from. And like, I just need to be more mindful of that versus I'm just sitting here scrolling on my phone and avoiding because I don't want to feel this emotion because it's icky and I don't want to deal with it. Yes. And I love that you bring that up because there is such validity in needing to rest when your body is healing because you're finally exiting the fight, flight, or freeze trauma responses that your body goes through throughout its lifetime and not to say that you won't ever feel those again but when you start to do the shadow work and let go of the negative things that have impacted you in your life your body starts to be able to rest rather than be in this chaotic state so of course it's going to want to soak that up and it deserves to yeah Yeah. but I I love your your distinction of what is intuitive rest versus depression and maybe like a freeze response or some mm-hmm. sort of being stuck. So my que- I want to ask you a question. What are your personal cues of knowing when am I intuitively resting for healing versus when is it more of a depression freeze response? Um, I think for me... I just went through this this past week with family and with the holidays and realizing that I was in a free state all week um, and I'm slowly coming out of it. And the cues for me um, really happen on the back. Like sometimes they happen in the moment and sometimes they happen after it's already taken place. Um, But for me, when I was going through a long period of resting, especially this last year, when I was really like trying to get out of staying in fight mode and I was like okay rest rest because I would wake up the first month of trying to get myself to rest I would wake up having panic attacks and anxiety from not going always being go 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 and I think we live in such a fast-paced society that it's easy to get stuck in that and it's easy to think that it's easy to go into that negative self-talk of like you're just lazy. You're not doing enough. Why are you resting? You should be doing other things, blah, blah, blah. And so I think that it might've started off as a depression state, maybe a little bit, like it might've teetered between the two, (laughs) depression and intuitive. Um, But I think, like I said, the biggest thing is the kind of thoughts that come up and the kind of words that come up. And because I was definitely in a free stage recently, like I my back was super tight. Like I could feel my body just clenching. And like, that's also a big cue for me is like, do I feel like if I'm just sitting here doing something, am I tense? Am I like stuck? And I feel kind of like really hard and control and very mechanical because that's a big sign for me that I'm not at ease. Like I'm not, I'm I'm on defense mode. And so defense mode, if I'm in that state, that's going to lead to me being more self-critical and more wounded in a way 
that I can easily go into a depressive state because I'm already in a fight in a free state. Like I'm already feeling those emotions. So it's easy for me to go into that depression versus saying, Hey, I, my intuition has just been telling me, like, it's, like I said, it goes back to trusting that inner voice of my intuition, just telling me, Hey, we've been doing a lot or Hey, or for example, after channeling, like after I have a big channeling session, I get so tired and I had to realize like, okay, that's because I had a lot of energy flowing through me. I need rest now. And really it's just like a matter of listening to my intuition. And when my intuition says, Hey, you need to rest. I just listen. I don't know if that's helpful. (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, it makes sense that the intuitive rest is something that you just know because it's intuitive. And I, it sounds like an, a distinction is that you're able to rest with ease mm-hmm. versus resting with tension and critical thoughts. Yeah. You know, like intuitive rest is peaceful. You're able to do it with ease and you can give yourself grace and feel that kind of wisdom, love yes. and nurturing voice within yeah. yourself versus the depression and free state being physical tension inner critic shaming yes yes in the in that inner critic too the like you said um falling asleep with ease too I think is the difference when I'm an intuitive I fall asleep easier but when I'm not I'm more restless like especially because my body is more tense so I just feel more restless I feel like I need to stretch I feel like I need to move I just feel very uneasy to rest and so that also can be a cue for me of one, either I'm overdoing it, something is causing me to be afraid of rest again, like take me back to where I was before, or it's because I'm afraid of rest because I know when I'm not getting good rest, I'm just resting to rest, but it's not actually helping me. I'm just doing it to avoid something. <laughs> I love that. And thank you because that validates my experiences recently. And I have been accepting, I even said it on here recently that I have been in a state of depression and I have glimpses where it comes, where I come out of it, but I just seem to keep coming back to it. And I have been very restless in my sleep and I um, have been frustrated with it (laughs) because I was in a state for a long time where I would just hit the pillow and like, have some deep ass restful sleep and wake up feeling exuberant and like ready for the day. Well, I I don't know that I would use such strong words, but kind of like a willingness to go through the day versus lately the restless sleep, the tossing and turning and waking up never feeling excited for the day, never feeling rested. Um, rested. Yeah, and that's an awareness I've had for myself lately is like if I'm not waking up having a willingness or some sort of excitement to like do the things that I'm supposed to do that day, that's a big sign for me that there's a cycle going on here. Yeah. But I think that feeds back into what I was saying about having a routine and stuff, because we might not always want to do something, but usually like if you start doing it three minutes in, you're like, okay, I'm excited. I'm excited to be doing this. I'm ready to be doing this. And For me, especially with my ADHD, because if I don't stick to my morning routine, especially for a certain amount of days in a row, I think it can be really easy for me to go into a depressive state because I don't feel regulated. And I, and like, if I'm dysregulated, I'm like, oh, fuck, what's going to (laughs) happen? And then I start to freak out Um, versus like, if I wake up and I do my morning routine, like that is what kind of gets me energized and at least prepared for the day, even if I'm going to go back to sleep later on, because I intuitively need rest. (laughs) It's just like, you know, like what little moments, what little things of self-discipline can be helpful um, to keep you flowing and going in those in those states. Um, Absolutely. I think the self-discipline can help you keep your head above water. And that's what I've been feeling lately is I'm able to carry myself out of it with my morning routine. And I love my job. So as soon as I get to work and start talking with people, I'm like, yes. And, but then it kind of, it kind of, it circles its way back as I'm sleeping. And then different awareness for myself is what are the thoughts that are racing through my head when I'm having restless sleep? Because that's what I've been noticing lately is it's a lot of the same things. And it's a lot of like fearful 
worries of how people are perceiving me which I yeah. have not experienced in a really long time that used to be like the bedrock of my anxiety and things yeah. that I felt all the time that I just got so yeah. used to and I haven't had that in like a year maybe a year and a half and that kind of stuff is starting to make a return where I just have I'll wake up being like oh my god I shouldn't have said that thing or what if I made them feel bad about themselves I didn't mean to do that and that for me is an awareness of my inner critic starting to make a return but also I wonder if some of those things are coming up because you've been speaking for yourself more and on the other side of it, it's like those thoughts are coming up because you've been advocating for yourself more and you've been sharing more. And so you're tired in a different way yeah. um, because it's like you've been exhausting a lot of energy speaking for yourself and really using your throat and really like advocating for yourself. And so your inner critic is like, OK, you're talking too much. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're using too much energy up on doing these things and growing, but what about me? You're not giving me any energy anymore. And so it's also like, a is that part of you deprived? And it's like, you're not paying attention to me anymore. So let me fuck with your sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, which validates this whole idea that, you know, we've talked about it before. You have to dip down back to those lower frequencies and those kind of heavier emotions throughout your healing because they need to heal in a new way like yeah it's always resurface so yeah. that you can learn from it again so back to this idea that just like surrender to your sadness surrender yeah. to your isolation and your times of reflection because they do serve you and yeah. I do want to add the caveat that you need to know yourself well enough that if you maybe are more likely to have suicidal thoughts or like thoughts of self-harm you maybe need to set yourself up to make sure that you have more support during Mm -hmm. this time of the year or like it's really important to be aware of your triggers and if you know your family triggers you make sure that you have some friends on speed dial make sure that you get yourself set up with a therapist because I don't I don't mean to imply that just let your depression take the reins right I I want to make a clear distinction that you need to know yourself well enough to set yourself up to be supported and to set yourself up to move through it with a little bit more ease um, in whatever way that looks like for you yeah and I think it's I, I love that you say that because I feel like after the holidays recently it's like we both just kind of brain dumped on each other after uh-huh. everything happened like we were so excited to talk to each other because we were like oh I need to get some of this stuff out because it's like right. one I know I have and this is something I've been trying to work on is not like pull in everyone else's energy yeah. um and I'm not saying I was dumping everyone else's energy on you I'm saying I was dumping the fact that I let myself absorb so much other energy and what it did to me and how I responded like kind of just venting that and reflecting with myself and 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 also it's a great way to like differentiate what is mine and what is someone else's and what those triggers are of if I'm still being impacted by certain words or certain experiences um and I like what you said about like um going back into those low frequencies I feel like that's been a big thing for me lately because like I said I've been kind of in a free state the last few weeks I feel like I subconsciously did it this has been my reflection obviously but I subconsciously did it because I thought I was protecting myself I thought with the holidays I was preparing myself I was building up my armor and if I stayed in a free state I'd be less likely to go through emotional swings because I would just be stuck in one place and I think that that subconsciously that was my way of trying to protect myself and I realized that wasn't efficient and I can reflect and acknowledge all of that um but I think that what's been getting me out of that free state too and out of that acknowledgement is when I'm like, oh, I don't feel like doing that. I ask myself like, okay, is this a lower frequency speaking to me? Is it that lower thing that's trying to pull me down? Or like, do I still want to get to a higher timeline? Like I need to acknowledge the difference of like, is something, am I trying to stay in this low state or do I want to ascend? And like, I need to make that decision because I have the option to shape my own reality. So really, you need to choose. Like, that's what I say to myself. Like, you need to choose. Do you want the low frequency to win? Or do you want to get out of your own head and just do it? Because you know it's what you need and you know you'll feel better after you do it. Right. And that doesn't mean it has to be 
fast or you know like you're allowed to move slowly through that but the active choice to continue moving through it is the most important piece and you just reminded me of something that you said right before we jumped on the call here is that you feel a difference of like this looming energy that or like just kind of this cloud of energy that comes over you versus like kind of being able to make a distinct choice so maybe that's another personal awareness is the lower frequency being this like black energy that just kind of starts to surround you yeah because I think knowing where that comes from too like in your body knowing where your intuition where do you feel your intuition in your body and where do you feel your anxiety and your that depression in your body like are they in the same place are they in different places like is is it internal is it external is it just something like I said like for me my self-talk feels like a cloud that just kind of penetrates my energy and it just like washes over me versus my internal wisdom I feel I feel it internally like I feel it in my stomach and like I know that that's my intuition that's my safe place when I feel it there I know it's coming from an authentic place um which took time for me to differentiate too because I used to hold a lot of trauma in my stomach as well and the trauma silenced my intuition so like I had to work through that gunk out anyways because I couldn't tell the difference but that's still just like being aware of that and it's this idea that your body wherever your body carries the most trauma will also likely be where you experience the most intuition so that's why you have to do the work so that you can start to use that to your benefit which I think just brings further reason to the idea of why you need to do the shadow work and why you need to just be aware of yourself and develop those intuitive practices so that you can move through the natural ebbs and flow of depression anxiety and and just life of being a human without being a crisis absolutely because a lot of times I think people associate spirituality with only being positive and that if you're spiritual and if you're healed that means that you're always in a positive joyful state and that's not accurate (laughs) like you said we are human and we ebb and flow and we have to ebb and flow we have to go through those cycles because that's what helps us push forward and that's what helps us grow and so by trying to deny our feelings and, and there is also a difference not every feeling needs to be acknowledged I think that also is important in realizing that sometimes feelings come up and we can just let them go and let them pass because not everything needs a whole 10 journal pages of explaining what this emotion is like that's just a hyper fixation and that can cause more spiraling and more self-sabotage in a way um I think also being aware of when something is coming up and it's just like okay that emotion came up I should be mindful of that It doesn't mean I need to deep dive and spiral into thinking about it now. I could just let it go. But if it comes up again in, let's say, like 24 hours or it keeps coming up in my dreams or I see signs of people talking about something similar, then it's like, okay, I need to acknowledge this. It's coming up for a reason. I need to reflect. And just like also being aware of that. Yeah, you're exactly right. The times that we do need to acknowledge it and do more of a deep dive is when it's not passing. Yeah. Um, I just want to, some ideas that are coming up for me or just things that I've learned for myself to help me move out of depression or at least just kind of develop the awareness of is it depression or is it intuitive rest? Um, something I learned a while back is the idea of like tracking your time and then using the times that you're like scrolling on your phone or watching TV to just try to implement maybe 10 or 15 minutes of something else. And because for me, something that I notice, an inner critic thought that keeps me trapped is like, I just don't have enough time. I'm so exhausted. I'm so tired. I don't have enough time. And that's, it's like, if I'm continuously tired and feeling like time is not the renewable resource that it is, that's a sign that I need to shift. So keeping track of, okay, I spent two hours scrolling at this time. Maybe I try to do yoga for 20 minutes before I start scrolling. Or, yeah. okay, I spent an hour watching TV when I got home from work. 
Yeah. That's an hour that I could have maybe instead of watching two episodes, watching one episode and using the other half hour to cook myself a nice meal or try to meditate or go for a walk. Right. Yeah. So yeah. I think intentionally keeping track of your time and noticing like where are those big chunks of time that just kind of get lost on you because you're yeah. cycling. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you bring that up because it reminds me of this TikTok I saw and it was this girl and I was like, what to do? Like, um, if you start your day at 2 PM or 3 PM, like let's say you slept most of the day. And for me, if I sleep too long, my self-critic is like, okay, the day is past. I'll just have to wait and do it tomorrow. And then it's like, okay, tomorrow comes. Did I actually do it? And so what I liked about this TikTok is she was like, okay, well it's 2 PM still get up get make your bed get in the shower eat something okay and make sure you eat something too because that's going to help in regulating your emotions (laughs) first of all especially with someone with ADHD like sometimes forgetting to eat food can really change my whole mood (laughs) and drastically it always makes me laugh when my clients like I had three cold brews today and I haven't eaten and I'm so anxious why am I anxious and I'm like girl (laughs) yeah have some protein you really need that but like, I loved that because I was like, okay, the day is not over. Things aren't ruined just because you slept until two o'clock. You can still do some things for yourself. You could still go outside and go for a walk. And especially during this season too, like you should try to get outside at least the as soon as you wake up, like try to get some sun. Even if you can't go outside, like stand in the window, feel the sun because this is the time of year too. We naturally have a low vitamin D deficiency. It's very common in general, but especially during these seasons, vitamin D, low vitamin D. Um, and I speak from experience because I had to go on prescription vitamin D because I was sleeping so much and I was so tired. And I definitely like, my mom was like, are you depressed? And I was like, no, I don't feel depressed. I'm just really tired. And I think it's also being aware of your vitamins as well. And like what you're feeding your body because low vitamin D, low iron, um, these things can make you feel depressed as well. And so I think it's being mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah. Nutrition can be everything and it can reflect in your mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not something that a lot of people are aware of. Um, are there absolutely. any other things that you do intentionally to move yourself out of that space? Like as you're making that choice? Um, one, I think acknowledging some of my choices is can be really helpful. Like, Oh my God, I'm, I was been eating a little bit last night. Why? Because I felt really anxious. (laughs) And just even that simple acknowledgement, one is helpful for soothing the self-critic because then I can just say, instead of shaming myself, like, oh my God, you ate so much. I feel awful, blah, blah, blah. Like I can be like, no, I did that as a way of self-soothing. Was it helpful? No, but I can acknowledge that that's why I did it and not then, because then I, then I won't go into that body image, like self-critic piece so that I can be mindful of that as well um so I think being mindful of the choices I make is really helpful but for me I'm so body sensitive so I know that I need to move my body in order to start getting out of um a funk like I need to take my own advice I need to go outside I need to go for a walk even if it just starts with me just standing outside in the sun for five minutes like I can feel so energized just feeling the sun and like reminding myself that I'm a living plant and I'm alive I think also it's a great reminder that I'm alive and so feeling the sun feeling my body absorb it I'm like yes the sun is my superpower it can charge me up like I'm a solar panel so thinking about it that way I think can be really helpful for me um is just moving my body and I have a timer. This is also just for ADHD purposes, but I have a timer on my phone for my social media apps. So I don't go over for a certain amount of hours of the day. So I have a set timer so they lock and I can't use them. (laughs) If I've gone over like three hours, it's like, okay, locked, you're done for the day. Like you've maxed out how many hours and that's a combination of like all social media platforms all in one so like not just scrolling on one um but that is also really helpful for me um even though sometimes I click the 15 more minutes but you know it's like sometimes that happens it's okay um 
but yeah, I think just the awareness of why am I scrolling? Why am I overeating? Why am I doing these things can be really helpful. And then just starting to move, cleaning my space. Like you said, too, I yesterday just started cleaning my space. I did wake up late, too. And I woke up and I just was like, I'm going to clean today for myself. And I still did it. And I felt so much better. And you know, then I had full moon ceremony last night. And then I was like, hell yeah. And I was up kind of late, but I was like, whatever. I, when the moon is full, I'm up anyway. <laughs> but like, still just, just being mindful of my structure and how I can show up for myself. Yeah. It sounds like a big point that we're coming to is the way to intuitively move through depression and rest is to have the awareness of your triggers the awareness of your signs, overeating, restless sleep, messy environment, uh, critical thoughts, and have some tools in mind built off of that awareness. And the biggest key being a loving, nurturing, self-accepting, curious, not critical (laughs) voice, trying to practice using that voice. Yeah. And I love that you said curious, because a lot of times we use, we think of it as critical or judgmental. And so we show up defensive towards ourselves, our inner critic. And I think if we showed up more curious of like, why are you saying those things? Why are you coming up right now? And less defensive, then we could show more compassion for ourselves and realize that we're both just fighting to be heard both versions of ourselves are fighting to be heard right now and they both have something they want to say because they have our best interest in mind whether it is useful or not is the question but how will we know if we don't have a conversation about it yeah. um so i like i like that i like the showing up curious mm-hmm. yes something that you mentioned earlier that i would like to speak to is just the fact that Maybe let's talk about how to move through family triggers during seasonal depression, because I know that's something that basically that's like most of my client sessions throughout November and December is, okay, I'm going to visit my family in a couple of weeks. I already know that some things are probably going to come up. How do I want to take care of myself as I move through them? And something that I'm always validating for people is the idea that your family is going to be the most triggering for you. These are the people, this is the system that created your personality and your trauma and your inner critic. And, you know, it's like no shade to them. That's just how it is. (laughs) This is just the system that we signed up for. And they're going to be the most triggering for you, whether you want to admit it or not, because of who they are. Mm -hmm. I think that the exact same advice of like showing how you talk to your inner critic is kind of how you can handle situations with your family as well is one knowing when it's a time to engage and basically be like no and be firm in your in your boundaries and be like no or fuck off like not actually but like say that in a a more polite unless you need to like you know whatever but basically be like no you cross a boundary that's not okay I need you to leave. Um, or I'm going to leave, like you need to be firm in your boundaries, or you can choose to show up in a compassionate way, which is the curious way as well. Like either way, you're showing up curious and you're showing up to listen. Um, But you can decide if you want to be more firm or if you want to be a little bit more soft in your approach. Um, And that depends on the person, that depends on the family and interaction, that depends on the trigger itself as well deciding how you want to show up for yourself in that way and sometimes it can be helpful to have firm maybe hard boundaries ahead of time like you know your family so you know some shit that they're gonna say so it might be helpful to maybe write down a list of like okay these are the things I'm not gonna tolerate these are how I'm gonna respond and you can have a blanket statement response of I don't feel comfortable talking about that with you And just leave it at at that and not let them. And if they want to pry, just be like, if you continue to bring this up after I said, I don't want to talk about it, I'm going to, I'm going to leave or not the whole situation. Or you could just say, I'm done with this conversation. Like I said, I'm not going to get into that and just walk away and go somewhere else. Um, You know? And so like 
like you said, having that family support or having a friend or someone that you can depend on in this hard, in those times, whether it's a family member, one that you're really close with, that's there that you can be like, Hey, I'm already feeling very vulnerable and I'm going to need extra support from you tonight when we go spend time with the family. Cause I'm already feeling very conflicted and a little on edge and I'm nervous and just acknowledging that ahead of time and being like, I'm going to need your support. Um, but also having people, if they're not there, that you can talk to and you can express your emotions and you can feel safe with, or even just having a time limit of how much time you spend with your family and being like, hey, I'm going to stay from this time to that time and that's it. And um, afterwards, I'm going to go get my favorite ice cream or I'm going to go do something rewarding for myself that's small. Um that can be a self-soothing tool for you. Yes. I love that last part because I think we get stuck in this trap that like, okay, I'm visiting my family or we're going on a vacation. I must spend every waking moment with them. And yeah. if they want to spend time with me, I have to be around them. Yeah. And really, that's going to lead to more trouble than what you're, what you can regulate through. So yeah. it can be so important to give yourself breaks and mm -hmm. to say like, like this last Thanksgiving, it was really helpful for me. My mother-in-law was like, do you want to go for a little walk outside? And just leaving the house and leaving the group and walking and talking with her kind of gave me this break that I didn't even know I needed. Yeah. So little things like that, making sure that you get your bedtime routine or mm -hmm. get your morning routine before you go hang out with them. Yeah. And, and Throw up the music, dance around a little right? bit. Really go get your yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Journal, right? Do whatever you need to do. And um when when you were talking about boundaries, something I always remind people is that you get to decide how you communicate your boundaries. Sometimes people get intimidated by the idea that I need to say, I don't feel comfortable talking about that with you, or I'm going to walk away if you continue talking about that. You can shift it to fit into the dynamic of your family, however that is. Like I think of one client who her family jokes around so much that she kind of has to set boundaries as a joke. And then mm -hmm. she has to follow through in order to actually show them. So she'll say yeah. like, oh, I know the route you're going down and everybody will be fighting in 20 minutes. So I'm going to walk over here. So she says it in a different tone, but she still is energetically honoring herself to say something and walk away. So just yeah. to throw that out there that you communicate in whatever way feels comfortable for you in the moment, even if that's just walking away or just having a boundary within yourself that, oh, this person is bringing up the topic. I'm going to make up an excuse to go to the bathroom or go grab myself some more food and not come back over here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think that goes back to what you're saying. There's a difference between avoiding of like, oh, I don't want to deal with that emotion and like being like, okay, no, this is safe for me. And this is a part of my boundary. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said like, you have the, you can show up really hard and strict, or you can show up in a soft way. You get to kind of decide what that looks like for you and how that feels for you as well. Like whatever is the best option for you, you get to decide um those are just some examples but yeah you you know your family so you know what you need to do for yourself and make sure you bring in your self-soothing routines that you do on a daily basis like if you're flying to go visit family especially like if let's say every morning you get up and you have a certain drink or you go to a coffee shop or you go for a walk like still do that when you go see your family like still right. stick to those routine and that self-discipline because that has been keeping your body regulated and so you want to stay in that regulated state and that means continuing the discipline you had before when you're with yourself absolutely communication boundaries your own awareness taking breaks and i love that you bring it back to self-discipline because that takes us back to our cards um and maybe a good time to check out with some affirmations yeah um, I think for me, what's coming up is I protect my energy and don't 
allow others' projections or views of me to influence how I view and feel about myself. Okay. Because I think the big thing is like not letting other people, especially when you're around family, like they can say a lot of things and be very critical and it's easy to take that and then become critical of yourself. So it's like, how can I put up a wall to protect myself in a way and stay grounded? Um, So I think that's the piece of like, I allow myself to stay grounded and move through others, other people's projections of me without an internal bias. Yes. I like that phrasing a lot better because we want to steer away from things like don't. Yeah. So the way that you shifted that there at the end shifts it to more of a positive statement for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing is just like that external influence and staying grounded and true to who you are. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think mine would be, I surrender to self-reflection and practice the discipline to choose my highest good. I, feeding off of that, I want to say that I surrender to self-discipline and use that tool to make a choice on what is best for my highest self. Yes. I love that. Surrender to self-discipline. Wow, what a concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> paradox. It's that <laughs> right. paradox that we talked about a while ago. Yeah, it really is. Whew. I'm going to have to write that one on my wall. <laughs> I'm going to need that for myself. Just <laughs> <laughs> that beginning. I surrender to self-discipline. is like, whew. Because I feel like when you think about discipline as a burden, then you're less likely to want to do it and you can mm-hmm. stay in that freeze and procrastination state versus seeing it as something that is intentional and a way of nurturing and taking care of yourself yeah I think is also important (laughs) yes us us ADHD people hate requests or demands so anything we can redo to reframe discipline as a positive we're here exactly because it's like authority who do you think you're talking to (laughs) I'm gonna rebel on principle exactly like what (laughs) so I think that's just something to be very mindful of um but yeah I feel like this was a good talk and I'm excited I hope this was helpful for you guys and if you have any other examples of how you deal with seasonal depression or with being around your family this time of year please share let us know in the comments or you know send us dms on instagram but we would love to hear from you and your thoughts. And yeah, I think that's it for today. We'll see you next time. Take care of yourself throughout the season. Yes. Listen to your body, know when to rest and know when to ask for support. Have a magical day. Thank you for listening to Spiritually Divergent. If this conversation resonated with you, please share it with your friends and your community and be sure to leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at Spiritually Divergent. If you have a topic you want to hear more about or any suggested guests for us, send us an email at spirituallydivergent at gmail.com. And we will include all of that information in the show notes as well. We'd love to hear from you as we begin building this community. 